0: Welcome back, party people, to the place everybody wants to be. You know it. You love it. It, of course, is Victory Lane. Today's episode 102. We're climbing upwards in our triple-digit escapades right now here on the show. We got Martinsville to preview, but nothing to recap. Hope everybody had a nice, relaxing off weekend. Everybody had a happy Easter, if you celebrate. Happy Passover to my homies, eating some matzah. As you see, we got Kelly Crandall of Racer.com on the show with us today. Really awesome chat with her. A lengthy one, but I think you guys will enjoy it, learning her backstory of how she got to where she is currently in the sport. But before we do any of that, we're paying homage to actually a familiar name that you definitely have heard of, but somebody who drove the number 02 car that you definitely did not know. here's Pops with more.
1: Thank you, Duv, and welcome everyone to episode 102. Davey's still upset with me for my performance the last couple weeks, so I gotta bring it. So today, we say hello to NASCAR's greatest modern era driver never to win a championship. I bet you didn't know that Mark Martin started his cup career driving the 0 02 car in 1981 and 82. Martin never was known as a particularly great qualifier, but he scored two poles out of his first four races to set himself on the path of a Hall of Fame career. Martin actually was a bit of a vagabond and ended up driving for more teams than we have time to mention, but of course the majority of his success came with Jack Roush and his iconic number six car. How's this for some numbers? 882 cup races over a 31-year career, 40 cup wins, 49 Xfinity Series wins, 7 Truck Series wins, 5 times a runner-up in the championship, but the ones that really stick out for me and speak to Martin's greatness as a driver are his 13 iRock race wins and 5 iRock championships. It's too bad we don't currently have the international race of champions with us. It really was a crucible that put the best drivers from different series in equal cars to see who was best and Martin's results speak volumes. A couple of other Mark Martin tidbits. I always found it refreshing that he never hid his dread and antipathy for restrictor plate racing and of course he was the pioneer of fitness training in motorsports. Mark Martin was inducted into NASCAR's Hall of Fame in 2017. That's all for this week. Back to you, Duve.
0: If I wasn't holding my microphone in one hand, I'd give you some claps because that's better. I, I like that. We're getting somewhere here. I don't know what you're going to do with 03, 04, 05, 06. I know 07. I know who, who you could do for that and 09 probably as well. We'll see what you got cooked up in the next few months for us in the Wayback segment. But thank you as always, Dad. Appreciate it. Let's start this episode off, as always, with a good old fashioned. <laughs> Let's chit chat a little bit about the Blue Emu 500 this upcoming weekend at Martinsville Speedway. We'll be quick and concise with it. There's still a lot of drivers looking for their first wins of the season. And there's a lot of them that realistically can get it done this weekend. Let's start off with the defending champ and the defending winner at Martinsville in the fall, Chase Elliott. Hendrick Motorsports, top of their game right now. Chase Elliott, yet to get a win. Kind of surprising considering he's the defending champ, but last time the Cup Series was at this track, he got her done and got her done real well. How about Kevin Harvick? Last time the Cup Series was here, He was the opposite of Elliott, did not get it done well at all, had to resort to trying to wreck Kyle Busch on the final corner to get into the championship four, did not do that well, and he did not run well at all in that race. So we'll see if he and Rodney Childers can rekindle some of their magic that they had in the years prior and run well at Martinsville. Something tells me that they're not going to have race-winning speed, but they're definitely not going to be as bad as they were in the fall. I I just don't think that's going to happen. But if it does time to worry for real this time how about Denny Hamlin one of his home tracks Martinsville Speedway he has multiple wins at this venue and he's only finished outside the top five this season once that's a pretty crazy stat he's definitely due for a win in 2021 and due for one at Martinsville as well how about Brad Keselowski as well could be a team Penske back to back to back with Blaney at Atlanta Logano with the Bristol dirt and it could be Brad Keselowski at Martinsville as well a couple years back, he dominated this race, led over 475 of the 500 circuits, I believe. I understand there was a different rules package then, and now it's different now. It's better, less spoiler, what have you, but still, he knows how to get around this joint pretty, pretty darn well. I would not count him out either. Plus, how about a first-time winner in general? You could see Bubba Wallace, Tyler Reddick, Matt Benedetto, Daniel Suarez running really well at the Bristle Dirt for Trackhouse. I don't think that that would happen. I would definitely put my money on a repeat winner for 2021 or a new winner that has already won a cup race in their careers for this weekend because Martinsville is really, really tough physically, mentally. There's just a lot of stuff going on for a long, long race, 500 grueling laps, going to a slow stop around the corners which don't have grass anymore, which kind of is annoying. But, oh, well, not going to not gonna die on that hill. And also, we got a modified race on Thursday. You guys may be listening to this on Thursday morning if you are. I appreciate you because you are a subscriber, clearly. And if you're not and you're listening to this after the modified race, well, I hope you watched and I hope you enjoyed because Ryan Priest is in the show and he's probably winning at this point. Um, but that's starting their season. And if you guys have not paid attention to modified racing, Ground Pounders put on a heck of a show. Wish I could be there for that race. That is one of their biggest races of the year. Xfinity is in action on Friday night, and the Cup Series off on Sunday for the second week in a row. They're actually on Saturday night, short track racing under the lights. So, again, another Sunday off. You had it at Bristol because of the rain. Then you had Easter, now you have this upcoming Sunday off because we got a Saturday night short track action-packed night going on over on the Fox family of networks. Again, the blue EMU 500 from Martinsville Speedway. Be sure to tune in this weekend. Should be a good one. Interview time. Let's throw it over to my chat with Kelly Crandall of racer.com. She's a podcast host herself, the Racing Riders Podcast, which if you listen to this show, you probably should be listening to that one too. It's really, really good stuff. Also an NMPA award winner multiple times over Chatted about all those different things, how she got into the sport, what kind of sparked her interest, and then moving down to Charlotte. That's a big, big move for anybody in the industry. Why she did that, how it worked out in the couple years that followed suit. We got into a lot of stuff off track as well. Some stuff that I wanted to dive a little bit more into, but we'll have to save that for another day. Without further ado, here's my chat with racer.com NMPA award winner, all around great gal and really talented writer kelly crandall (laughs) pleasure to welcome on to the podcast this week kelly crandall of racer.com she's a podcast host and mpa award winner but i want to start with her background that she has today in her car she was going to tell me before we started recording but she thought that it may be a little bit of a better anecdote if we were actually recording so the floor is yours kelly what's going on today
2: Well, we're on Zoom. I don't know if you actually use this video or not, but if you do, Uh I figure I always like to set the scene for people if it's unique. So I drove up to New Jersey yesterday. That's why we couldn't record yesterday. So I'm visiting my parents for Easter. Well, my parents' house is kind of it's kind of a circus. You know, (laughs) I I grew up in a very loud household. Uh So there's. Between their dogs and my dogs, their cats, there's a teenager inside. Uh, my youngest sister's 10, soon to be 10, so she'll be mm-hmm. in there. The phone rings off the hook. I didn't want to take a chance. I couldn't find anywhere quiet, so I said, well, I'll just go sit in my car. So here I am in the frigid New Jersey air in my car, but it's nice and quiet, so we're good.
0: It's devotion. I appreciate that.
2: <laughs> and I've done podcasts in cars and planes. Oh, in, yeah. Uh, yeah, cars, planes, closets at the racetrack, haulers. Yeah, I've got If there's it ever- a
0: space to do something, you've probably been in there working.
2: I think so. I think I've got it all covered now. Yeah. Well,
0: even this past week at Bristol you were set up shop in the monsoon in your car watching F one on your dashboard, typing and editing your podcast on your computer. So you're used to this. It's a good setup for you.
2: Well, I'm glad you knew I was editing the podcast because I got some messages that people had no idea what was on my computer screen. Yeah. So we, I mean, we had to <laughs> check out of the hotel anyway that morning. So I was right. like, well, I'll go to Starbucks. I'll get something to eat and I'll just go sit in my car at the racetrack because the press box wasn't open. Right. And it, was, it was raining anyway. So I was like, Classic well, I'll set, yeah, I'll just set myself up here. So yeah, plugged the iPad into the, uh, I guess the Bluetooth of my car so I could listen to the race and watch it. Through my ipad and then yeah mm-hmm. pulled out the computer and did some work and then the time they canceled it, i drove home so i was all set
0: <laughs> uh travel horror stories and travel fun stories you know you get a lot of them when you're on the nascar beat so since we're on this i just want to touch on it a little bit more you've been on the nascar beat for almost like i think almost 10 full years now we'll get into that a little bit more but I know you've you've been through a lot of rainouts. You've been through a lot of postponements. Uh, so have I. You've you've had your fair share. Pretty much a lot more than me, I would say. Um, what are some of your worst, best, favorite, least favorite, most memorable moments at the racetrack while you've been on the NASCAR beat? I know it's a very loaded question, but yeah. go ahead.
2: Well, it's. Fun- I had a feeling you're going to ask that, and I was going to take the easy way out because I was going to say I can't share those because I'm I'm const- I want to write a book. I've always said one of my goals. It. Yeah, one of my goals in life is to write a book or multiple books. I just don't know what I would write about. And recently, I said, you know, maybe I should just do a book on tales from the road because when you when you travel the way I travel, which is with bare minimum money mm-hmm. and you're normally traveling with some fellow media colleagues, so you're sharing hotel rooms, you're yep. road tripping. I mean, I the only time I get on a plane was to go to Homestead. That's the, I mean, or when I went to Phoenix one year, that's the only time I've ever been on planes to go to the racetrack. Everything else is always in the car. So I um, I have some some great stories, but I don't wanna give them all away. So I was like, you know, one day I, I wanna write a book, but I will say there's been flat tires There's been, uh, I was, I had food poisoning one year that we traveled from North Carolina to Kansas. Oh. So that made for a fun road trip. Do
0: you have gas station um, sushi or something?
2: No. So I don't, (laughs) I don't want to throw them under the bus, but I think what it was, this, this was back, I believe when myself, Matt Weaver and my boyfriend, Chris Owens were all roommates and I want to say what happened was that some fajita chicken maybe got left out too long and then put Mm. back in the freezer and then taken back out. Anyway, I just remember it was fajita chicken. Somehow I ate it and um, made for a very long road trip to Kansas. I was in the uh, infill care center for quite a while. I think a lot of people thought I was pregnant, so that was fun having (laughs) to... Having to shut that, those rumors down. Oh, so you have to do flat tires. I don't know if you have a PG podcast, uh, Davey, but I will say, and you can cut this out if it's if it's over the line. There was also, it didn't happen to me, but I was there. There was also, there is a story of Jerry Jordan being propositioned by a working lady at like 2 a.m. in West Virginia. I'm just saying that happened too. Please so, go
0: I, on. Please.
2: (laughs) That was, I think that was also a Kansas or Texas. It was one of the long road trips. And we had to stop at a Walmart because we had a flat tire. So they patched up the tire and somehow we ended up at Walmart. It was like 2 a.m. And I think we needed more like another par or something. I'm terrible at telling stories. So if I do write a book, I'm going to have to really kind of get all deep (laughs) But moral of the story is we ended up at Walmart in some small town in West Virginia at like 2 a.m. I stay in the car. I'm sitting in the car because it's cold. I'm tired. I'm pissed off because I just want to go home. Jerry calls me from in the Walmart and he's like, I'm being followed around in proposition (laughs) by a pregnant prostitute. And I thought he was joking. And then he comes out of the store.
0: Love Jerry to death, but out of all people. Jerry, you serious? <laughs> like, come on.
2: I'm telling you, true story. Hand to God. It's, it's a I true I believe story.
0: you.
2: So, yeah, I thought he was joking with me until he comes out of the Walmart and the the lady was still following him. So
0: mm. How did he get yeah, rid of her?
2: There, there's a lot of them. There's There was a hotel room in Talladega that we squeezed, I think, five or six of us in. And we came back one night from the racetrack or from dinner, and the air conditioning unit was completely gone. Like, I'm talking like the actual air conditioning unit that sits, you know, under the window, gone. Like, there's just a hole. The thermostat, gone off the wall. And one of the, like, one of the, one of the, uh, ch- like, like side chairs not the desk chair but like a side chair if you have enough room room that was on top of one of the beds so that was fun apparently they came in to fix the air conditioner and they decided to just take the whole thing and move stuff around so that that was interesting yeah there's a few there's there's quite a few there was also oh I gotta share this one Daytona a couple years ago it was 4th of July weekend. So we, um, I say we, you know, the bunch of us that normally stay together. I think it was mm-hmm. Matt Weaver, myself, Jerry, Chris Knight. Uh, I think my boyfriend was there. Jim Utter was there. The there was a whole, whole Motley boyfriend. crew. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, you cut down on expenses. So I normally just travel with a lot of people. Oh, I know it, yeah. So we got a house. We got an Airbnb in uh, Daytona Beach. Great house, beautiful house, had more than enough room. There was one downside. You walk in and you go, you walk out of the living room, you start to go into the kitchen and there was like this, probably like, I guess you would consider like a dining area, but they didn't have a dining area set up. It was like a memorial to a pig.
0: Okay.
2: There was an easel. With a nice painting of the pig, which I mm-hmm. I can't. We nicknamed him. I don't know what it was, and that was it. It was just this empty room, with this nice, beautiful painting of this pig that remind. Like I, I'm wondering if it was maybe like a family pet, that, you know, they were remembering, or maybe they just really loved pigs. And maybe it was, it was more,
0: bacon from the morning before.
2: I, I don't know, but it. <laughs> cracked me up the entire time that we were there and the jokes were just they ran rampant the entire time it was pretty funny so yeah there's a lot of stories like i said i really i really need to sit down and start going through them there there's there's been quite a bit
0: well when you start on that book just listen to the first 10 or so minutes of this podcast and and you'll be well on your way i hope that that pig was not uh grant and finger's uh, Wilbur's brother. I hope that it was not related to Wilbur, but I guess the the world might never know.
2: I hope not. No. Yeah. Now that I've rambled for like 10 minutes, we can get into like the real podcast. That was terrible, Davey. I'm not used to being on the other side of things. No, that
0: was great. This is, this is seriously why, like legitimately, this is why I like doing podcasts because we just ramble and we talk about random shit and that's what I like. So good start by us. I'm proud of us. Thank you for that.
2: Well, like I said, I mean, I got plenty of stories, but I, I keep forgetting grab a notebook and just write something down when it comes Mm -hmm. to mind and then you know so yeah maybe one day like i said i really want to write a book one day maybe that will be what i write about maybe it'll be something else if anybody has any ideas i'm open to it i don't know where to start but
0: well you're living out of your car nowadays with the rain delays and the podcast recording so just have a notebook in there with a pen and you'll be well on your way
2: yeah yeah it's it's mostly the story of my life is just getting off my ass and doing it
0: join the club yeah all right, this is a this is a good segue because I was doing research on you yesterday, and you know I'm, I'm looking up your career and trying to find this information. And usually when I'm doing research on drivers or, or crew chiefs, owners, whatever, right? Like they're big enough where they have their own like page on Google where like you type their name and something pops up with their picture and a little bio, right? But usually when I'm doing it on some media personalities, you know I've had Jeff Gluck on a couple episodes ago and you know, Heather DeBoe, Jamie Little, like, you know, it depends, right? But you have your own little Google page. And I'm like, what? The? Ke- Kelly, like, I love Kelly, but is she that big of a di- what? I don't know. So I'm keep, I'm looking, right? And I'm like, okay, this actually is her bio. Like I'm, I'm going here. Then it says your spouse, which was not correct. And it says that you're an actress. So I want you to confirm or deny were you in A Christmas Carol? Because apparently you're an actress, Kelly. Kelly Crandall, the actress.
2: No, I'm not an actress. There's also a a professional women's hockey player that I share a name with. I'm wow. not her either, uh, unfortunately. Thanks for
0: clearing that up.
2: Uh, I have wielded a hockey stick a time or two in my day. In fact, I've put one through my sister's door when we were kids. But no, <laughs> I never played professionally. There, Yeah, there's quite a few... Kelly Crandall's out there which is one of the reasons I'm thankful that a couple years ago I did get verified on Twitter because yeah I, I I'm narcissistic enough that I Twitter search my name sometimes to see what people are saying that they don't tag me in mm. and I discovered that there's quite a bit of Kelly Crandall's out there so but oh, no yeah. I was I was not an actress terrible terrible actress <laughs> I'd be terrible I'm not a hockey player mm. um who'd they say my spouse was let me exactly. look it up
0: yeah. it was exactly. some uh it was some like Maybe um, French actor. On, oh. I'm looking it up. Okay, Kelly Crandall, actress. But it says that you've been on the NASCAR beat full time since 2013, so it's actually you. Spouse Christopher de Ambois. 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 You were married to him in 2008. He is a choreographer, writer, and theater director, born and raised in New York City. He's the son of a dancer, Jacques de Ambois, and Carolyn George de Ambois. So, yeah, and, and he's married to you. So congratulations, I guess.
2: <laughs> well, he sounds fascinating. He sounds uh, very French. But 2008, I mean, no, I did not get married out of high school. So that, <laughs> that didn't happen.
0: Okay. Well, thanks for clearing that up. This has been a great intro. I mean, we're, what, 13 minutes in, 21 seconds, and we are rolling, baby. I love it. All I'm right. just
2: trying to be entertaining because I'm, I'm not a good – I'm not a good uh, interviewee, so.
0: I I disagree. You've been great so far, but let's get into the meat and potatoes of what I want to talk about, which of course is you on the NASCAR beat. As I mentioned, you've been on the beat full time for almost a decade. 2013, I think, was your first year full time on the beat. So, has it felt that long? Can you remember what the feeling was like yesterday in 2013, and you know when Jimmy and Kevin are winning these championships, or. Does it feel like a little bit of a, a shorter time frame to you?
2: Yes and no. There are some days where a memory, a random memory will pop up and I'll say, Oh wow, yeah, I remember that. that was so long ago. And then there's other days where I sit here and I have this terrible, terrible thing where I feel like I've accomplished nothing and I've done nothing and it's mm. been and I feel like I've been here for five minutes type of deal. <laughs> yeah. So yes and no but I let me rewind. so twenty thirteen twenty thirteen is is a year that sticks out because that was the year that I quit my job. I was a daycare teacher. I quit my job in August, frankly, just because I wanted to go to the racetrack and and we can get into that story if you want. but but so I quit my job in twenty thirteen, and that's when I started to fully focus on writing and and trying to make this a, a living and mm-hmm all of that 2014 was the first year that i was on the road full time however if you go back i was actually writing and self-publishing on the internet back in 009, 10, 11. so i've i've been on the internet for quite a while now that early stuff was terrible and i hope nobody can ever find it because it was very bad i'm gonna a look lot for it, it- later a, a lot of it was just me regurgitating other people's work, just yeah. basically practicing, like trying to. I did the same thing. Yeah. Like I, I just wanted to write. And if I didn't have any access, well, let me just try Let me regurgitate and just, just find ways. Get some to, reps. Yeah. So um, it, you know, like I said, hopefully nobody ever finds it. It was terrible. It was very unoriginal. It was very, very bad. Um, But yeah, I had, I started self-publishing on Bleacher Report back when anybody could sign up and create a profile on Bleacher Report. And I did that. I did a little bit on Speedway Media. Me too. I think there was probably some other one-offs in there. Like I was just trying to write wherever I could write. And uh, I got my first credentials in... 2010 and 11, the years that the Truck Series went back to Darlington for those mm-hmm. one-off races, I was there. Those are the first races I ever covered. And then, like I said, in in 2013, by that point, I was doing stuff with Popular Speed, and I wanted to go to the racetrack more and and just quit my job so I could do that. And and then I started really, yeah, digging in full time with Popular Speed going into 2014. And yeah, haven't looked back since, I guess.
0: So let's go even further back than that, because up until that point, you obviously developed a passion for the sport. You watched it. You, you grew to love it, wanted to become more involved with it and make a career out of it. So how did you get involved with racing and NASCAR specifically even before that and learn to love it?
2: Well, so I've told this story a few times, but for people who haven't heard it, I mean, Obviously, the Daytona 500 is the Super Bowl, right? It's it's our biggest race. Even if you're a casual fan, you watch the Daytona 500. And that's where my dad was at that point. He had been a race fan when he was younger. But, you know, the older he got, it was, again, it was just more of a casual thing. But he was watching the Daytona 500 in 2001, which, of course, we lost Dale Sr. that day. Mm-hmm. I wasn't watching. I wasn't paying attention. But I heard about it because he talked about it with his friends. And... For the next, what, four or five months, all I heard from my dad was he and his friend talking about, we should go to Daytona in July. We should try and get tickets. That race is gonna be something, you know, that first race they're gonna be back. We should should try and go there. Well, of course they didn't get tickets, but they kept talking about it and talking about it. So I'm hearing this for months. So I sat down, what was it? July 7th, 2001 and watched that race. And the way I remember it, and maybe my mind is just embellishing it now, but the way I remember it, I sat down in a beanbag chair, watched that race and never got up. I was, I was hooked. I don't know if it was again, just the enormity of that race. If you know, the speed, the lights, the colors, just everything that one race hooked me. That was all it took.
0: How old were you at that point? Because obviously that race had a lot more meaning to it as well.
2: So July 2001, I would have been 11.
0: So you kind of could understand like the enormity and the gravity of the whole Dale Earnhardt situation, but you kind of were more just infatuated with the the sport itself. Well,
2: I mean, I don't know if I really understood that aspect of it. I just understood that it was a big deal because people kept talking about it. Mm -hmm. And it was a big deal because... way the announcers the way they were calling the race and the way they were talking about dale jr and michael waltrip that i think is what i remember probably the most and it it, it was after that when i really started getting into the sport and doing my homework that i under that i put the whole thing together right um and and started to understand why that was so important and who dale was and what had happened so I think Alan Bestwick and Benny Parsons and Wally back doing the job that they did. Yeah. I just knew without the background of what had happened that that was a big night. And, yeah. and again, I mean, between the speed and the sound and the colors and it was under the lights that that was it. That was all it took. And then that, you know, that's the reason one of the reasons Daytona means so much to me.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a spectacle in every sense of the word. So not surprised why that hooked you there. So let's go back even a little bit further, or I guess move forward. We're going to be jumping around a little bit. Um, You got your communications degree from Central Penn College. And obviously at that point, you had to have some thought of, I want to go down a certain road and maybe be more involved with NASCAR, maybe on the writing journalism side. Um, When was the point for you when you really realized like, All right, I want to go do this for real. Like, I'm trying to put all my eggs in this basket. Was it when you quit your day job as a daycare worker, or was it, you know, in college? Take me back to that mindset.
2: All right, I'm going to get long-winded here, so you can cut me off. So we'll, we'll start, yeah. By the time I was in college, I knew what I wanted to do. But I figured out what I wanted to do, if that makes sense, when I was a sophomore in high school. So, again, I got into the sport. I started watching in 2001, so I was 11. I went into high school and at that point, yeah, I liked racing and I was really into it. I mean, it was an obsession at that point. I was collecting cars and magazines and I was reading everything and I would watch practice and qualifying in the races and don't even dare invite me to anything on weekends because I'm not going to come. I'm sitting in front of the TV. Yep, yep, yep. I, I lived, it was all about racing. I. I ate it, you know, that what eat, sleep and breathe saying as people would say, I, Mm -hmm. it was an obsession. I just wanted to know everything, watch everything, but I didn't know, or I, or I didn't think I wanted to be in racing until I got into high school. And, and the way that happened was I went into high school and I honestly thought that I was going to be like a forensic scientist or like a criminalist because at that time, Mm. I was also very into all the CSI shows mm. and I was like, well, that looks cool because television made it look cool. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, I'm going to do that. Um, so that, so I, you know, by the time I started high school, that's what I thought I was going to do. I, when I was a sophomore in high school, it was around that time where more and more English teachers had started pointing out that, you know, I, I wrote very well and you know, I really had a knack for that. And, you know, why don't you join the newspaper? Just, you know, you're really good at this. Like English classes were my best classes. Mm -hmm. And it it had been like that in middle school as well. But again, I just never thought anything of it. It was not until I was a sophomore, my sophomore English teacher. And I wish I knew where she was today and that I could hunt her down, but I have not found her on social media. If She's Um, listening. Yes. Hopefully. Um, (laughs) again, she kept pointing out, you know, you're really good at this. And, and she wanted me to join the school newspaper. So at that time, I started kind of dabbling in trying to write about racing. And I would show her these stories just to have somebody read it. And she loved them. And I don't know if she was just pleasing me, but uh, she always had really good feedback. So at that point, I was like, well, I enjoy writing. I'm good at it. I like racing. And I was like, okay, let's just put two and two together. And that's when I decided I want to do it. So by the time I got to college, yes, I knew what I wanted to do. Okay. Again, I started college in the fall of 2009 and found Bleacher Report. So I started self-publishing on Bleacher Report. Uh, Joined Twitter because somebody invited me to join Twitter. I was not on Twitter. Somebody invited me to join. So I got on that. And I was like, okay, this is interesting. So I quickly realized I could use that as a platform and as a way to network and to, you know, see how the real professionals were doing it. So all throughout college, I was self-publishing. Okay. And again, those Darlington races that I referenced earlier, I did those while I was in college. I went to those races on credentials and I was still a college student. Yeah. And by, like I said, by this point, I mean, I'm like, I, I just, I want to do this. I can't wait to graduate. I'm going to get a job right away. Like I just had everything mapped out. I knew it was going to be great. Yep. Um, I would go to class and, you know, I was paying attention for the most part. There were some Somewhat. classes, you yeah, know, there were some classes where if I had my laptop or if we were in on computer, I was, you know, Googling race stuff. I'm. Not going to lie.
0: Who didn't? Um,
2: so I would go to class. I would write stories. I would do teleconferences, but I never asked questions at that point. I was just listening in, you know, mm-hmm. because I had I had
0: that questions. stage for a while. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, so I would just listen in, you know, again, just writing stories and just so into it. I look back now at college and I say, you know, I mean, I had friends. We had a great time. But I look back now and I say, even then I was so tunnel visioned on I'm here because I have to get an education and hopefully this will help me, but I already knew what I wanted to do and where I wanted to be that I really didn't pay too much attention to anything else. Like mm-hmm. I said, I went to class, I wrote stories and I watched racing. That, that, that's what I did. And again, I had friends, we hung out, we had a great time. Yeah. So graduated college, came home, did not get a job right away because that's not how it
0: works. Crazy how that works, yeah.
2: So quickly got, you know, smacked down into the real world and realized, okay, well, I have to pay the bills, so I need to do something. And uh, I've always had younger siblings, so, you know, for the, I feel really comfortable around kids and, and really good with kids. So I had tons of babysitting jobs, so I became a daycare teacher here in town. And I did that from probably late 2011, I think I joined, until 2013. Mm -hmm. And again, I would work five days a week, full day of work, come home. Okay, what can I write? What can I, what's going on? Uh, You know, on my lunch breaks, I'm checking Twitter. I'm checking my phone, seeing what's going on, because I was still obsessed, wanted to know everything.
0: So at this point, it's still something that's on the side, but something that you want to be doing eventually full time.
2: Yeah, I wanted to do it. I just didn't know how. I just didn't know where to look, you know, like that. Mm -hmm. And to this day, that's my biggest problem is, you know, I didn't know how to network. I don't know who to talk to and and where to look. So I got a job because I needed a job and I needed to pay the bills, but I did not want to do that forever. You know, and and I struggled with that because I could feel myself becoming content as a daycare teacher because it was simple. You know, you get up, you work five days a week, you have weekends off and, you know, I could still do the racing thing and I'm living at home. So I'm only paying, you know, maybe a car bill and student loans or whatever it is, but mm-hmm. life's pretty good. So, yeah. So then it got to the point where I was like, OK, I'm, I know I'm getting content. I'm getting lazy and I still want to really do this. So what happened was at this point, again, I, I was with Speedway Media. I was starting to dabble with Popular Speed and I wanted to go to I think it was the Atlanta races back when Atlanta, their second date was in, was around Labor Day or it was, it was, yeah, it would have been Labor Day weekend. Mm -hmm. So I requested time off for, uh, at the daycare and I knew they were not going to give it to me. I (laughs) knew they were going to deny it because at that time there was just a lot of baloney going on there. And I was just overworking there in general and just not happy with a lot of stuff that was happening. There was a lot of teacher turnover. We were short staffed. So I knew they were not going to approve it. Mm-hmm. And I told my closest friends there, my, my colleagues, I said, if they don't approve it, I'm going to quit. And nobody believed me. And I said, no, I'm, I'm going to quit because I'm going to the racetrack. I have to do this. I have to get out of here. So sure enough, I was prepared. They came in one morning, told me, or gave me what a piece of paper, whatever it is, however they did it, and said, you know, my my request was denied. That was like breakfast time. Like literally, I don't even think I was there thirty minutes that day. Okay, that was <laughs> he breakfast. Said, See time. ya. <laughs> oh wait, wait, so that was breakfast. By lunch, when I clocked out for my lunch break, I walked down the hallway into the office dropped my letter of resignation on the, on the desk and walked out to lunch. I thought for sure when I came back, the door was going to be locked. Right? Like I yeah. thought they were going to be pissed. I was like, there's no way they are letting me finish these two weeks. It's just not going to happen. I'm going to come back from lunch and the door's going to be locked. The door was not locked. I came back. I finished my two weeks <laughs> and walked out, never looked back, went to Atlanta And after that, I also got to go to Martinsville Mm because I, you know, like I said, didn't have a job. So I also went to to Charlotte and uh, yeah, things suddenly with Popular Speed were like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of go with them full time. And then, like I said, by 2014, I was full time with Popular Speed and on the road uh, as much as I could be and wanted to be. And here we are.
0: You're right. That was long winded, but we covered a lot of ground and we covered a lot of things that I wanted to. So thank you for that, because you filled in a lot of different gaps because I had a couple questions on like because I knew popular speed was where you kind of got your footing more firmly. And that's where you started going to a lot more races before you ended up going to racer. But I know you had some stops along the way. I think you were at front stretch for a little bit, weren't you?
2: Yep, front stretch was in there. Um, I did NASCAR Illustrated for a yep. while. NBC Sports they, a little bit. Yeah, before they went well, so NBC Sports was after was when my deal well, I don't know how to say this. <laughs> I wanna be honest, but I there's just some things that are better left unsaid. Mm-hmm. When my time with popular speed was over, that is when I went and wound up. And had a stint with nbc sports uh before i then wound up with racer so yeah there's there's been quite a few places but yeah i did a i did some time with front stretch like i said speedway media i'm sure i'm missing some but yeah nascar illustrated the magazine was in there Mm -hmm. i did some one-offs for nascar.com uh I then joined nascar.com in 2017 for a couple months, uh, kind of just a behind the scenes, more of like an editor. I mean, I wrote some stories, but it was mostly yeah. editing, helping with the website, helping with the mobile app. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've been a little bit of everywhere, but again, I mean, in, that's because in the, er, in the early days, quote unquote, I just wanted to write and I just wanted a platform and I yeah. was going to go wherever I could get published. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why it's it's kind of an extensive list.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So I I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask, and we, we can edit this out if you want. But I don't know, like, the story behind Popular Speed because I've heard things from different people in terms of how they were treated or how things ended, whatever. Again, we, we can edit this out if we want, but I, I don't know, like actually what happened or the full story so however much you're comfortable sharing can you just shed a little light on what that situation really was all about
2: well you can keep this in like i said i'm just you know there are some things that are better left unsaid Mm -hmm. i'm very curious who you talk to so when we're when we're done rolling i will be asking about that um so popular speed was great because again it gave me a platform and i will forever be grateful that i had that platform I will forever be grateful that I got to go to the racetrack and I got to move to North Carolina because of popular speed and the people I knew at popular speed and basically talking my way into a spare bedroom, uh, to come live in North Carolina.
0: Can I clear something up too? So, because like my perspective, right front stretch, it's like, I can't live off of front stretch, but popular speed, you were getting paid enough so that you were able to move down to North Carolina.
2: Well, no. So so I was getting paid and I was surviving somehow. Okay. I look back now and I have no idea how I did it. Trust Again, me, I know I, it. I must not have had the bills. I must that must have been back before I had a car <laughs> bill and insurance and all this other stuff. Yeah. I was surviving when I moved to North Carolina in the summer of twenty fourteen, I was getting paid four hundred dollars a month.
0: not a whole heck of a lot.
2: $400 a month. Now I didn't have to pay for a place to live because like I said, I talked myself into a spare bedroom, her, uh, Amanda Ebersole, who also worked with popular speed. And, you know, our deal was I helped her out, uh, you know, basically around the apartment and things like that. And I didn't have to pay. I mean, I was still, you know, we were still doing groceries and stuff like that. But for the most part, we had a, you know, that was our agreement. Mm -hmm. So I was making $400 a month when I moved to North Carolina. And then, yes, I mean, they would help, you know, help me get to the racetrack. But for the most part, a lot of the people that I was staying with and the things I was doing to go to the racetrack, people were, they knew my situation and they weren't making me pay right you know they like i was tagging i was i was carpooling i you know i wasn't driving it wasn't my car you're
0: grinding you're grinding
2: oh so, yeah and and look i had a lot of help i had a lot of people who knew my situation and weren't taking money from me because i had no money to to give
0: yeah.
2: i wanted to be at the racetrack people understood that so i had a lot of help
0: because they had been there before too probably
2: yeah it was very much a it was very much a pay it forward
0: thing. Yeah, people. And
2: And I hope to do that, you know, and and I try and do that as much as I can now with with other people, you know, so that was that situation from a writing perspective, again, very grateful that I had the platform. Um, It very much helped me get my name recognized because again, I was making it a full-time job without being paid a full-time job.
0: Yeah.
2: I, you know, when I wasn't writing, I was helping on the back end of the website you know, I was the one communicating with a lot of the writers and okay, this is our content plan and this is what we need to do. I was editing stories. I was posting stories, uh, You know, that a lot of that was on me and and I put a lot of that on my shoulders because again, I took this seriously. This is what I wanted to do and I wanted the website to look great and I wanted everybody to act professional and I wanted Mm -hmm. us to be taken seriously. Um, You know, Matt Weaver was over there so we made a great team and we, again, we both used that website to get our name out there, to get our work out there and it got us to the racetrack. Yeah. Now, towards the end, Yes, it became, it just became, it just wasn't working. It just, it wasn't working for me. It wasn't working for the people who were there. I was uncomfortable with the person I was becoming and the way in which I was looking at things. And um, yes, I wasn't happy with how I was being treated. And there there was just mistakes made all around. Mm-hmm. And And I made mistakes and I didn't handle things correctly. Um, so yeah, it just got to be a very bad situation. So, uh, June ish, 2016. I finally said, you know, I I can't do this anymore. I had nothing else lined up, but I just, I just knew I was unhappy. I was tired of crying. I was trying, I was tired of being stressed out. I was tired. Like I said, there was just a lot that just was not good. So I will just say that it was it was just yeah it was just in both of our interests to just yeah go separate ways i'm
0: picking up what you're putting down and yeah. w- once we stop recording i think we'll uh, we, we may get a little bit more into it
2: i will be i will be thankful for that platform but i will look back and admit that i didn't handle things well i you know i was probably immature about things and i will own up to that um but yeah it was just bad on both sides and and uh you know, maybe the other side won't admit that, but it was, it, you know, like I said, I messed up. They did bad things. You know, it was just, it mm-hmm. was just bad. So it was, it uh, was just, time. It, was, it was just time to do something else. And um, like I said, it was also, it was also probably a good thing because going back to what I said earlier about when I was at the daycare, I was falling into familiar habits, which is I was becoming too content. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't push yourself yes i don't think that i was i i was not challenging myself i was not being creative enough and i also needed to be surrounded by people and things that were going to challenge me and um yeah i just needed you know new scenery so like i said it was it was better for both sides that that it uh that it ended
0: you wouldn't be where you are now or who you are now without them but uh, that doesn't mean that there were some bumps along the way. So I, I'm right. picking up I what mean, you're putting down.
2: Yeah, every, look, I mean, every, there's yeah, there's adversity in everything. And like I said, and Matt Weaver will tell you the same thing, that website got us in the door. Mm-hmm. There's no, there is no denying that. There, there's no denying that. However, we did the rest. Mm-hmm. Okay, once we got in the door, yeah. we stayed here.
0: There's a reason why you guys are where you are now,
2: right? Yeah, right.
0: Once
2: once we got here, we made our names for ourselves. Um, and again, he'll tell you the same thing. We've had this conversation. I'm not saying anything he's not said. So, yeah, we will again. We will both forever be grateful. We both consider that our website. We we consider that you the built Matt, it. yes, exact the word. Yeah, Matt and I look at that and we say, you know what? We built that thing and. We watched it over the years, very sadly, kind of wither away, and now it's completely gone, and we're very, very sad about that. Um, because yes, we look at that as that was that was Matt and I that we we built that, and um, we took it uh, very seriously, mm-hmm. and again, it got us to where we are.
0: So then the racer opportunity comes about in short term after that. Can you take me through the process of how that specific chance came about? And that's where you've been for the last few years. You seem to be liking it, seem to be doing a lot of stuff that you enjoy. So guess things all worked out in the end. But how did you get hooked up with those people?
2: So... Yeah. So June, 2016, I ended with popular speed. I actually wound up in July at NBC sports because um, I had previously talked to them about an opportunity and nothing came of it. And then when I became available, so to speak, when suddenly I was telling everybody, Hey, I've, I've got, you know, nothing going on. I have nothing. Um, NBC sports and I connected again and I worked for them part-time. So it was only a couple days a week and um, obviously, Dustin Long over there, Nate Ryan—they do fantastic stuff, and and they kind of lead the way. Uh, but yeah, myself and and uh, at the t- well, now Daniel McFadden's gone, and Jerry Bonkowski's also gone from there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, yeah, I worked there for a couple months. I think I think July to December and learned a ton like i said got to write stories got to do things differently than what i had been doing so it was very much what i needed and listen if anybody ever gets the chance to work with dustin or nate you take that because absolutely they are tremendous at what they do and and honestly that time um, and again, I was only working part-time. It wasn't like I was doing it every day, unfortunately. I would have loved to have done that, but that wasn't the role that they needed me for. But that opened my eyes so much to just, again, how the professionals do it, right? How yeah. the How the veterans do it and how they think, how they approach things, how they go about their work, how they go about... Um, asking questions and thinking about thinking outside the box. So that helped me tremendously. But again, it was a part-time deal and uh, NBC sports and I were both upfront with each other. They knew I wanted more. Um, They didn't have anything more. So I started looking around and uh, that's when I, I came across racer and I think it was actually Matt Weaver who, who, had uh, worked with Racer a little bit and he wasn't doing anything anymore with them. And he said, Hey, why don't you see if they're still going to do NASCAR stuff? So, um, again, just everything fell into place mm-hmm. to where at the end of 2016, I reached out to Racer. I said, Hey, I've, I've seen the website. I know who you guys are. Are you going to keep doing NASCAR coverage? I'm looking for something. And surprisingly, they wrote back and said, We know who you are. We just didn't think you were available.
0: That's got to be and a good I- feeling.
2: And I said, well, I am available. Let's talk about this. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I started with them in in uh, late, late December 2016. Ended my time with NBC Sports because I unfortunately couldn't do both. It's a conflict. Mm-hmm. It was a conflict of interest, of course. I understood that. Um, so, yeah, I joined Racer and uh, I, I've been there ever since. And they're great. I love it. They, get, they let me uh, basically cover the sport as I see fit. Um, as they said, nice. you know, well, I mean, they were great. They were very up. They said, look, you're, this is your world. You know what needs to be done, what's news, what's not news. Obviously, it's uh, open communication. They'll say, hey, what, you know, is there anything to this? We're hearing about this. This website's got this. So, yeah, it's not like I'm on an island just doing what I want. But yeah. uh, they very much trust me to to guide the NASCAR section of mm-hmm. what needs to be done and that's what I good. want to write about. And, uh, yeah. And then I started a podcast cause I felt like it cause I'm a crazy person. <laughs> and, uh, here we are.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's nice. That they give you that creative freedom though. Cause I know that in a lot of different places with a lot of different just industries and professions, that's rare. So to have that, it's nice.
2: Well, the thing I love about racer is they, um, they give, feedback on all on basically everything i write i mean if i screw something up they'll tell me um if they love something they'll tell me if if i am writing like crap and it needs to be fixed, they will tell me um and i love that because i you know don't let me just keep going down the same path that i'm on thinking yeah. everything's great help me uh, improve right challenge me tell me that i need to be doing something different tell Mm -hmm. me i need to be thinking about something different um again you know if they see something on social media or they see something on another website and we don't have it you know hey is is this not a big deal or should we have something on this or uh you know hey we're hearing this rumor should we be thinking about this or or again just the simplest stuff of this story was really good great job or or, you know, they will send me back a, like I'm in high school, they will send back an edited piece of uh, of a, a Word document. Yeah, and yeah. again, I love it. So it's, uh I love it. They let me be creative, but they also help me be creative, which is my biggest thing. Mm-hmm. I, I am the type of person, I need to be creatively fulfilled. And Racer helps me do that. The podcast helps me do that. But again, Racer is also great enough to where... They don't just let me send stuff and move on to the next thing. If something needs to be talked about, we're going to talk about it.
0: Creatively fulfilled. I like that. I don't think I've ever heard it in that way, but I might start using it because I think there's some similarities with myself too. I like that. Well,
2: I mean, and, and they, I think we talked about this, Davy. I think we talked about this a couple of years ago when you came and, and sat by me in the Bristol media center. It's just, you know, just content and loving what we do. But again, I, yeah, I have to be creatively filled. I, um, going back to what I said earlier, I will go through phases where I feel great. I feel like I'm doing great work and you know, all right, I've got the podcast and I'm writing and I'm going to, you know, this is great. And then there's other times where I will sit here and be like, I haven't done a damn thing. And I'm
0: the, like, I'm the same way. Yeah,
2: yeah. I will, I will sit here and be like, what's the next thing? Like I'm doing that right now. Like what more is there for me to do? Okay. The podcast is great, but is there, is there more I could be doing with the podcast or is it magazine work or like I mentioned, I want to write books. Mm -hmm. Do I want to write a TV show? No, you know, like I, I'm always looking and I just always want to do more. Yeah. And the problem is just trying to figure out what that more is. Mm -hmm. I just want, I just want to create content. I don't like sitting still. So that's why I say creatively fulfilled because I just, I wanna create content and I wanna enjoy what I'm doing and I wanna love what I'm doing you know, and I want people to love what I'm doing and I want them to enjoy it. Um, but it is a constant mental battle of feeling like I am being creatively fulfilled and being productive.
0: Yeah, I got a few more things I wanna to touch on with you but I wanna be conscious of your time. So we'll run through them as quick as we can. So, also, I just want to let people know, like, if they're thinking, okay, yeah, I know Kelly, she's really good. This is how good she is. You talk about being fulfilled. Two-time NMPA Writer of the Year, okay? It's, it's a big honor. It's an incredible honor, and it's a really well-deserved one at that, too. I'm curious, because somebody who has not received that honor and probably will never receive an honor like that, uh, what is that feeling like? Because given all the things that you went through, the trials, the tribulations, the four hundred dollars a month, just all all of these different things that you were just grinding to get to the top of the mountain and be where you are to have that recognition and have that award. People recognize your work for what it is, which is outstanding for you, especially. I, I know that's gotta be really, really rewarding.
2: Well, I mean, I'm look, I'm still grinding. It's not course, easy. Yeah. You know, it's not an easy yeah, it's not an easy business. Um you know, as I listen to you say that, I start to get a little teary-eyed because you the way you put it, I mean, that's exactly what it was. The, the first year I won that award, that was handed out in December or, uh, excuse me, in January. And that was handed out a couple months after I had left Popular Speed. And I was now embarking, like I said, I was now going into this new thing with Racer, but, you know, just everything was so new and it was still raw you know, all the ups and downs. And I remember I posted that on Instagram. I when I with the Mm -hmm. with the trophy, the the caption was something to that effect. It was, you know, all the long nights, the early mornings, the arguments, the drama, the tea, you know, blood, sweat and tears, something to that effect. It's on Instagram that that's what I posted. I said it was all worth it. And I took a picture of that trophy. The first year that I won it, this will be, this is a funny story. You'll get, you'll get a kick out of this. So I had been an NNPA member for uh, a couple of years. I knew what it was and I had been to the, it's it's called a convention, which is when the, they do the hall of fame and we do uh, that's where all the Mm -hmm. awards are handed out for photography. Oh, excuse me. Photography, writing, uh, and radio, TV, all that. I had been there. I had sat through that for years, you know, the year that i won uh the first one the the writer of the year award i'm sitting there and um i won a couple awards and it didn't click with me for whatever again i had sat there for years i should have known how this worked but for whatever reason it didn't click with me that the way writer of the year is determined it is like racing it's a point system so when when you win You know fifth place for columns you get whatever points for that well if you then win third place for spot news you get points for that just like in racing you tally Mm -hmm. all the points up of people who have won the individual awards and that's what determines the overall right of the year so so i'm sitting there and i had won a couple of awards not thinking anything of it i'm just so excited that i was win you know I just so excited that I was yeah. winning awards. Deb Williams, oh I love Deb, but I wanted to kill her <laughs> for this. Deb Williams, uh, long time journalist in this sport, uh, wonderful wonderful woman. She's been a mentor mm-hmm. and a great friend. We were sitting next to each other at the table. Deb leans over after I'd won my second or third award whatever it was, she leans, kind of leans backwards because she was looking at the stage. And she whispers to me, get your speech ready because you're probably going to win writer of the year. And I almost (laughs) threw up.
0: Why, because you're nervous?
2: No, no, this is a true story. Because my brain was not putting two and two together that the winner of the overall award is the one who is winning all the other awards, right? Because it's yeah, a point yeah. system, right? So, so, so if you sit there, for anybody who's an NMPA member who, who might, you know, might not like me, is just dumb and didn't write, right? So when you go and you listen to, oh, this person win this award and this person, if you start yeah, doing the math yeah, yeah, yeah. in your head, the one the, the people the, the person whose name is repeatedly getting called is probably going to be in the running for the overall right of the year award my brain was not putting that together because yeah. i had never won it because right i had yeah. never won it so i didn't think like that i did not think about ever being writer of the year so when deb leans over <laughs> when deb leans over and says you know something I'm paraphrasing, but basically says, you know, Hey, get, your, you should prepare a speech. You're probably going to win writer of the year. You know, I've been sitting here uh-huh. tallying it, you know, like she was literally, a vet. she there. knows
0: I'm how this works. Yeah. She
2: knew. she knew my heart jumped in my throat and I felt nauseous. I was, because that's when it clicked and I said, Oh my God. And then literally she says that she says that. And like a minute or two later, they went like, it was uh-huh. very soon after they went to the overall award and yeah, they called my name and I was like, I blacked out. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie, Davey. I, I have asked people who were there that night, what I said, cause you do have to give a speech. I have asked people, what did I say? Because I blacked out. I, I, I remember crying and walking up there and being handed the trophy it. and that's <laughs> it and other than that i am i will say this i am so thankful to jerry jordan because i pick on him all the time you know he's like my big brother and he's always looking out for me jerry had the wherewithal to start mm-hmm. taking pictures because all of those pictures now are basically my memory because i don't that's remember crazy. anything He snapped pictures of everybody who came over to congratulate me. And there is one really great picture, and I believe it's on Instagram. If anybody is curious to go find it, there is a really great picture of me sitting in my chair after the whole thing was over. Me sitting in my chair with just this, like shocked (laughs) look on my face. Like I'm trying to grasp this moment. And Ryan McGee of ESPN is leaning down, talking to me. And um, I don't remember what he said, but he was talking to me and he was so excited. And I love Ryan McGee. He's another one that's been a great friend, a great mentor. And for him to come over, and I think he had won it the previous year. So for, he was, I do remember he was talking about, uh, you know, like good company and, and all that and me being on the list. So, yeah, all of those pictures of Jerry Jordan going crazy with his iPhone. That's my memory because I don't remember any of it. I just I have all those pictures of people coming over and hugging me. And and, Okay, so to ask the cliche
0: question, then, like, when did it sink in for you? Because clearly it didn't in the moment.
2: Um, yeah, that's a good question. That's a good question. Again, I remember going home and posting that that picture that i talked about of all the blood sweat and tears i think hmm. i stumped you yeah i mean pro i mean it was probably it was probably social yeah, media to be honest with you because, yeah it was because because i didn't post about it i i think it was bob who posted it classic <laughs> I, think bob, uh, I think bob i think bob tweeted who was with yeah Paul. it
0: was it was
2: yes so bob tweeted it and then um, people started tagging me and to see the people who were responding and then to the text messages um, or 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 the tweets, whatever it was from people in the industry, um, whether it was PR reps mm-hmm. or drivers or um, like I said, you know, racetrack uh, communications yeah. people, uh, fellow media people. It was probably that. It was probably all the social media and the text messages um and it was it was yeah it was was probably that it and then it was people it was you know people saying oh that's that's award-winning kelly crandall and that always cracked me up so yeah it was probably just people who started to reach out um because that always means a lot. I Absolutely, mean, you, you know, yeah. Davey, whenever people, whenever, whenever somebody takes the time to actually acknowledge something you did, whether it's a story or a podcast, means and so obviously, much, yeah, yeah or, or winning that award, that means so much to know that people are paying attention, to know that um, not only are they paying attention, but they took the time to tell you, yeah, uh, to, yeah to tell you that. It so, means a lot. So to win that and have so many people in the industry suddenly, like I, I suddenly felt like people knew who I was.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, yeah, that's probably the best way to answer that is, is I think that award, I, I think those two things are tied in. Going back yeah. to your question, when it, when it sank in was when I started to feel like people know who I am because these are the because the people who reached out were 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 awesome so that yeah that's probably what it was
0: and then you won it again
2: (laughs) yeah not only only did i win it again i won it back to back uh
0: weird flex but okay not even a weird it's a humble flex
2: well yeah, I got some crap on that on social media cuz I posted something about it and, and people thought I was bragging. And I said, oh, "No, no, no. Up. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't say, well, like I was like, "No, no, no. I I I'm not meaning to brag. Like I, I don't even remember what I was posting." But um
0: You have the right to brag also. Like back off, whatever. Well, you know, I'm you know also, haters.
2: Well, listen, I'm also one of those that I remember all the negative comments more than I remember the positive of course comments. You do. Yeah. I, Everybody I, I, does. Really, I really need to work on that. Um yeah. Yeah. So I want it again. I, <laughs> uh, so I know you had Jeff on your podcast and um, Jeff's awesome. And um, I remember, I remember that year. So that would have yeah, the following year being in Homestead and uh, Jeff was leaving the media center. We were one of the last few people in the media center at Homestead. And um, he, as he was leaving you know, saying goodbye, so on and so forth. And he made the comment to me, he said, you've written some really good stuff this year. And I was like, yeah, I appreciate that, Jeff. Yeah, that's cool. And again, this, why I remember that, I don't know, but I remember that because then again, a month or two later, then mm-hmm. I won the award for the second time and right. for whatever reason jeff's saying that like and and jeff could have just been again he could have just been saying that to like say something nice on his way out the door but that stuck with me so going into the awards that year i i actually felt pretty good like i was like okay you know
0: you weren't gonna maybe, throw up
2: <laughs> i was like maybe i won't win again but i felt <laughs> confident Like I felt confident that my work would be recognized, you know, maybe I'll win, you know, one of the categories or whatever it is. But yeah, that it's, it's funny how your mind connects certain
0: moments. And
2: I connect that one to Jeff Gluck leaving the, the Homestead Media Center and just throwing it out there and saying, you know you've written some good stuff this year he probably doesn't remember that but i do <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's funny no it's it is well deserved and uh i i do remember bob tweeting that you won and i was just like yeah of course bob would do this you know <laughs> classic bob's
2: bob. on top of everything man he makes well, the rest he, of us he's, look
0: bad he's bob like that's that's what he does um yeah. all right uh my computer is dying soon but i have a few more things that i want to ask you so we'll try to run through them rapid fire the one thing that uh this is not going to be rapid fire because it's like a big thing and it's a cliche thing too. But, um, I, I feel the need to ask it. I mean, I can imagine, I don't know, but I can imagine that it's not the easiest to be a female in a male dominated industry journalism specifically print journalism specifically in where we are now in 2021. Um, you know, when you go into the media center or the press box, there's a lot of dudes. There's not a lot of women there. Um, and I, I'm just curious of your perspective as you are going to the track with popular speed and now you're a fixture at the media center, you're accomplished, you're a two-time NMPA writer of the year. Was there a, at a point any time where you had some struggles to overcome, or maybe there was just some hurdles of you, unfortunately, just being in a male dominated industry in sport, or did you not really have those things?
2: You know, Davey, I've been asked that a few times, obviously, over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never have a good answer because I feel really lucky that, no, I don't think that I have struggled or I, or I don't think it's been held against me. And if it has, then it was, I, I never knew it. Mm-hmm. Right. I will say, though, that very early on, one of the things I noticed about the Internet, again, because I was self-publishing... And, and now in the age of social media, while I don't notice it at the racetrack, it is very much there on social media. And it's you don't very, say. Yeah, it, and, and it's very <laughs> much there in the comment section. Oh, yeah. Not on racer. I haven't seen it on racer, but it was there again in the early days mm-hmm. of People would make the comment that I had no idea what I was talking about because I was a woman or I had no idea what I was talking about because uh, such and such topic happened before my time. I do remember that. Um, And I would get so upset, obviously, And because here's another thing. I want people to like me. I fully admit that. I want people to like me and respect me. I don't like confrontation. Um, I struggle with self-confidence. So I don't want people mad at me. Like mm-hmm. I, I just want to do the right things and I want people to like me. Right. Yeah. Um, which funny enough, I was listening to door bumper clear the other day and Marty Smith, I was uh, just he- going
0: to say Marty said the exact same thing.
2: Said the exact same thing, and I have never loved Marty more because, again, <laughs> Marty is another one. He's been great to me over the years. Uh, we, you know, we've had some fantastic conversations. He was wonderful to me uh, the first few times I came into a media center, uh, but that's a whole other story. We don't have time for. So to hear Marty say the same thing, I I related so much to that. Right? Yeah, me too. So so when people are mean on social media, it gets to me because I want people to like me. Mm -hmm. I want people to like my work and respect me. And even if I'm criticizing something, okay, you may not like it, but I want you to understand that I have a job to do and I'm trying to do it fairly. So when people get mad on social media, I am not one of those that excuses it because, oh, it's social media. I think that's bullshit, okay? A trashy person is a trashy person whether it's behind a keyboard or not. And there's Breach. just it's 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 unnecessary. So no, I'm not going to just be like, "Oh, don't let it get to you because it's social media." No, how about social media as a decent place to be? How about that,
0: right? How about that? Yeah. <laughs> so
2: yeah, I um I want people to like me. So mm-hmm. when people make comments about you know, you don't know something or, you know, you're a woman. Yeah. That, that got to me. But again, I feel very lucky because I haven't noticed it at the racetrack. And again, if it has happened, then it went right over my head.
0: Cool. All right. Let's do some rapid fire stuff. Let's talk about your boyfriend, Chris, he's in racing. So I imagine that that probably makes things easier in your guy's relationship, like unspoken stuff when it's just like, Oh, it doesn't
2: No no okay our our opinions are polar opposites
0: (laughs) opposites attract i guess
2: oh yeah in this case it does our opinions on racing are completely different
0: no i mean more so like little intricacies of like understanding how like the racing world works so like when you're gone or when you have to work late hours whatever like that type of stuff
2: yeah well i mean he says i work too much you know he he constantly gets on my case that i that i overdo it Mm. uh But yes, when it comes to like the nuance things of just understanding how the business works and things like that. Yeah. When it comes to talking racing, uh, (laughs) we're not allowed to talk about racing. Follow him on
0: Twitter and you'll understand.
2: Yeah. He, um, yeah, we're not allowed to talk about racing because (laughs) it leads to full-blown arguments and feelings get hurt.
0: I I understand that. Um, So this is a podcast. Clearly you have one of your own, which is way better than mine. Racing writers podcast. I love it. I, I've listened to every single episode. I don't know if you know that. Um, I Was Ryan Ellis your first ever yes, guest?
2: Yes, it was. And yeah. uh, so because you said that, uh, I need you to feed my ego, Davey. You said you've listened from the very beginning to I now. I have. It, it's gotten better, right?
0: Much better. Absolutely. Okay. 100%. Right. You've gotten better as an interviewer. You've gotten more comfortable on the microphone. The quality has gotten better. You have ads now. Like- it, it's much better, trust me. But I have listened to every single one from episode one to now. I haven't listened to Tad and Jody or Samantha Bush. They're in my queue, but I have listened to every single one. So for the people that have not listened to the Racing Writers Podcast, give them a quick one-liner, what's it about, and why should people listen besides me telling you to?
2: Well, I mean, it's about anything. Um, it's basically the stories that I don't have the time to write. Uh, it's just another That's why way you started it. Yeah, it's another way to create content. And again, I love talking to people. And I think when you can get your subject to start talking and not interrupt them, which is something I've worked very hard over the years to just let people talk and not Uh interrupt, is uh, you can get some great stuff. And I've had guests say things on there I never thought they would say or tell stories or just get emotional. So yeah, the podcast is just another way for me to create content that I can't put on the website because I would have to work twenty four seven. And as much as I love this sport, I just can't physically do that.
0: <laughs> no, it's not. It's not possible.
2: And it's much better. A podcast. I mean, sometimes it's just much better to hear, to actually hear yes. it from the person.
0: Yeah, it is. That that's one of the main reasons I started this because, you know, I I originally like wanted to be a writer. I wanted to be but like Bob and then i realized i discovered radio in college i discovered television and i was like oh these are fun mediums so i started doing more of that stuff
2: literally the literally the exact same thing i huh. started listening to podcasts and i was like oh these are awesome yeah. and again i just want to create content and i was like well i love stories let's get people to tell stories Here's and again do it. i mean, It doesn't you know the podcast too it doesn't have to be about what happened that weekend on the racetrack because i'm going to write about that for racer so Mm -hmm. i could use the podcast to go into other stuff that people might not know
0: and you do and it's great all right i'm at five percent so we'll do rapid fire here again um you love wrestling i am not in that sphere i i have not gotten into it i can't get into it but plenty of nascar fans are you obviously know that there's a lot of overlap a lot of personalities come to the racetrack um, I had Alan Kavanaugh on a few months ago, and obviously he's huge into it. So can you give me, like, like sell me on WWE? Like, why should I tune in? Why should I get into it?
2: Well, I mean, I, I got into it as a kid. So yeah, yeah. You know, b- back then, I thought it was real. I thought The Undertaker was going to kidnap me and try and sacrifice me like he did Stephanie McMahon one day on Raw. So Wait, you're saying
0: he's not going to do that?
2: He's not. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just... It's just really fun to escape reality. That's what it is. It's like that's watching fair. your it's like watching your favorite sitcom, right? Like you know it's not real, you know they're acting, but they're there to entertain you. And that's mm-hmm. what wrestling is. They're there to entertain you, but at the same time they're entertaining you being super athletic. Yeah if that makes sense. Like they've got it their storylines and they got their character, which is exactly like a television show. Yeah. But instead of, you know, instead of sitting in, the, in there and watching, you know, the big bang theory for 30 minutes, Yeah. you're going to sit there for 30 minutes and watch them beat the hell out of each other. And they're going to make you think it's real.
0: They do sometimes <laughs> I'll give you that. So
2: it's, just, it's just an escape from reality. That's what I look at it as it's entertainment. It is mm-hmm. sports entertainment.
0: Yeah. All right. Maybe I'll start watching and I'll, uh I'll text you when I don't know anything that's going on or why is this character doing this? Whatever.
2: Yeah. Well, now listen, it's not all good. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to deny though. There's some real.
0: Yeah. Sometimes you're going to have like your Texas races mixed in with your Bristol's, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Um, all right. Another thing you visited North Wilkesboro speedway, which is in the news this week for hopefully good reasons. Maybe Marcus and Marcus are going to bring it back. Who knows? Um, how cool was that to do? Because that's still on my bucket list. I really want to go there and just see the place. And I know you did that a couple of years ago.
2: Yeah, that was something where um, Matt Matt was going up there to do a story and uh, Chris, my Chris was going to photograph it. And I was like, well, then I'm going. Yeah. So um, we got really lucky because the man who lives there on property, which again, mm-hmm. this was a couple of years ago. So I don't know if it's the same thing, but the man who lives there on property uh, was very open to letting us explore and talking to us. And, uh, yeah, we got to just literally walk into the racetrack so cool. and, and do all that. And, you know, I had Chris take some artsy photos for me and they were very artsy. It, yeah, I, I understood it then. I like being there. Um, you know, you, you hear so much about it, but going there, getting to see it, take it in, trying to yeah. envision it as it was in its heyday. It's really um, cool. And just, again, it's just about appreciating history. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I loved that. That was enjoyable.
0: I wanted to talk about the Spurs and the Steelers a little bit and maybe the U.S. Women's National Team, but I, I only have time for one more. And I was not going to let you leave without talking about Schitt's Creek. Okay? Had to. <laughs> Who's your favorite character and why?
2: Favorite character? Uh, I, I guess David. Yeah, I just I, I love his one-liners. I love his facial expressions because yeah, I'm so great. I'm kind of like that. You know, sometimes my friends and family will 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 say that, like when I really get rolling, like my facial expressions. <laughs> and I'll I'm not funny, but every once in a while, I will have a very quick witty comeback. So yeah,
0: I like David too. Uh, Moira, I was like hot and cold with. But just her oh. voice is unbelievable. So oh, so funny.
2: That. We so uh, back during Christmas, my sister and I got uh, we convinced my mom to watch it, mm. and um, we realized that David and Alexis is actually just me and my sister. And my mom could not stop laughing. She's like, that <laughs> that is how you two were when you were young. They
0: actually started the show after your guys' family. Fun fact.
2: Yes. Yes. I mean, we didn't, you know, lose all our money because, you know, we never had any to begin with. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, the the picking on each other and yeah. hating. Uh, yeah, that that is us yeah. to a team.
0: I love it. All right. I lied. One last question. Um, well, don't else- ask
2: about the Spurs or, or anything because they I suck. Uh, the Ducks suck. Uh, football's over. The Steelers, I mean, we all yeah. know what happened there. Uh, I, I don't want to talk about that.
0: I didn't um, know you were a Ducks fan.
2: Well, listen, I mean, come on, Davey. We grew up when the freaking movies were coming out, that's right? True. I was like, yeah. oh, like, that was cool. I yeah. was like, oh, this is a real thing. I'm in. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's true. All right. Uh, I'm at 2% now. So make this answer quick if you don't mind. And I, I it's going to be hard to. But I'm curious what else you want to accomplish in your career. Do you have any like big-time goals specifically? And if you do, what are they? And please make it quick so I don't die.
2: Yeah. Yeah, going back to what I said earlier, I mean, I feel like I want to write books. I want to, you know, I, I would love to get my work in Racer Magazine. Um, I want to be, I hope one day before my career is over to be a, a member of the Hall of Fame voting committee. I think that would be uh, fantastic. Be um, so, yeah, I mean, there's plenty more, but we don't have time to go into all of it. But those are the big ones. Like I said, I just i just want to keep creating content. I'd love to co-host on SiriusXM on a more permanent basis. You do great. So... Yeah, let's put I'd that out I'd love to
0: associate produce for you.
2: Yes. Well put that out there in the universe, Daisy. Come on. <laughs>
0: out it's out there, Dom, if you're listening.
2: So yeah, there I I've got a list. I keep uh I keep lists. I keep journals of, of things. That mm-hmm. that would have been a great story to tell. We'll have to we'll have to do a second part. We can talk about my uh it's called a cookie jar. Mm. I learned that I learned that from uh, an ex Navy SEAL. That's
0: a good story. Interesting. All right. Well so, we'll save yeah. that for part two. How about that? cool. Well, Kelly, this has been so much fun. I thank you for your time. You gave me so much of it, just sitting in your car in cold New Jersey. So, uh, enjoy that roast beef sandwich when you get it. Uh, and I, uh, I seriously appreciate your time. Your honesty though. I, I, I respect the hell out of you as a, as a writer and a journalist. And uh, I'm glad that we have this friendship and uh, appreciate all your help over the years. And I hope to see you soon at the racetrack, hopefully soon.
2: Yeah, man. No, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. You're doing great stuff, Davey. I love listening and uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. So we'll have to do another one for sure. I love talking. I mean, I don't like talking about myself, but I can, as you notice, I can talk.
0: Well, you just talked about yourself for uh, an hour and 15 minutes. So maybe you want to revise that say- statement.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, you're listen, you're doing great stuff, really. Honestly, I love it. So I appreciate you asking. I don't know why you wanted to have me on, but I appreciate it
0: wow great stories i want people to learn more about you so i appreciate the time and we'll catch you down the road all right buddy and we're back thank you to kelly for carving out a lot of time for me there sitting in her car because she was uh, as she mentioned at her parents place in jersey and there's a lot of stuff going on in the house so i appreciate her chilling in the car with me for about an hour and change great to have her on and again if you if you don't listen to the racing writers podcast and you're a racing fan you're doing yourself a disservice. I just finished the episode with Tagga Schichter, and it was pretty, pretty, pretty good. So I go listen to that. Once you guys are done with this and the Front Stretch podcast, of course, had William Byron on this week, so Victory Lane, Front Stretch podcast, then go ahead and hit on the Racing Writers podcast. That's the pantheon here on this show for me. Look, that's of the week. Cue that funky music, white boy. Tyler Reddick has completed the next-gen test that has happened at Darlington Raceway the past couple days. And also, breaking news as of this recording, NASCAR has announced that May 5th, in about a month, mark your calendars, people, they will unveil the next-gen car for 2022 and beyond for all three manufacturers. Going to be a heck of an event. I wish I could be there in person down in Charlotte, but I will give you guys all the coverage humanly possible once that comes to be in about a month or so. Kyle Busch is running a Snickers peanut butter brownie paint scheme this weekend at Martinsville. I'm hungry. iRacing is sponsoring Anthony Alfredo for this weekend as well. Freeway Insurance, they're joining Trackhouse and Daniel Suarez for the rest of the year. Joey Gase is honoring Davey Allison at Talladega RIP. He's going to actually drive the 28 renumbered car for Rick Ware Racing in Xfinity and Cup and got the blessing from Liz Allison to do so car looks phenomenal and really great cause that joey's working with maybe we can get him on the show closer to talladega who knows santino ferrucci announced that he's going to be competing in the indianapolis 500 with ray hall letterman Lanigan racing and that's nascar noteworthy because he obviously is running a partial schedule with sam hunt racing this year in the 26 toyota first pacific funding they've extended their partnership with jeremy clements racing good to see a smaller team racking up some more dollars Howie DeSavino III, he's going to make his Truck Series debut at Richmond with Jordan Anderson racing in the three-truck. And congratulations to John Hunter and Taylor Nemechek, who welcomed their first child into the world, Aspen Palmer Nemechek. Uh, By all accounts, mom is doing well, so is the baby, so congratulations to them. And that'll wrap things up for episode 102 of Victory Lane 2.0. As always, guys, if you like what you heard, do me a favor. You know what I'm going to say by now. Leave a rating, a review, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google, SoundCloud. Anywhere you get your podcast. we should be available there for your consumption. I'm still working hard at NBC, working hard at Sirius, got some other irons in the fire that I might be able to let you guys know about sometime in the near future. I'm working hard for you guys behind the scenes and also on this pod all the time, obviously. So. Stick with me and let me know if you want to hear from a certain guest or you want a new segment on the show, whatever. I'm here for you guys, so please just let me know. But I got some cool guests lined up coming up, and I think that you guys will not be disappointed. Enjoy Martinsville this weekend. Say hello to Kelly on the Racing Redditors podcast. Stay safe. Stay inside. Keep washing those hands. Wear your mask. Get vaccinated. And I'll catch you on the flip side.